Hi, I'm Rachel Monteleone and welcome to Kittypedia, the podcast. I'm not an expert. However, I do speak with them with the view of providing you with expert information and advice to help you be the best parent that you can be. Together, let's give children the life they deserve and a positive future. Hi guys, hope wherever you are and whatever you've been doing, you've had a sensational day. Tonight, we'll be sharing three top tips to help your children transition back from daylight savings. You know, in Australia, daylight savings is observed in New South Wales, Victoria, South Australia, Tasmania and the ACT. So for our families in Queensland, the Northern Territory and Western Australia, these tips are just as helpful as um, the daylight hours become shorter and we're moving into those cooler months. You know, the transition at the start of daylight savings is far easier if your child is already in some form of a routine. You know, so when you're actually making those gradual changes to their routine, the transition generally is much easier. You know, newborn babies are usually not affected at the start or finish of daylight savings. However, older babies, toddlers and young children can be affected for at least a couple of weeks. And so you may actually have an overtired little one on your hands as a result. Now, the reason for this is generally the combination of the change to their body clock and they find it harder to fall asleep against their body clock. But I've got good news for you. If your baby or toddler isn't in, in a routine, uh, there's still time to get organised and at the very least to at least have some consistent bedtime for the next few days. So to help, we are joined by our very special guest and extraordinaire, we love it a bit, Catherine Bendai. Now she's a f- uh, founder of Dreamwings and a qualified sleep consultant. Now Catherine is going to help by providing um, a step-by-step guide to help get your baby or toddler into a routine before the uh, the end of daylight savings. How are you doing, Catherine? Good. Nice to be here. Good to talk to you, Rachel. And it's yeah, these are really useful ways to um, to help with the transition because I know that like when you're just an adult, it's you know you can just sleep it off sort of thing, but um, little ones, it, it's hard. Yeah, and this is this is your area of absolute expertise. And for everyone watching, um, you just we're talking offline, so you're going to be on the ABC at three AM, isn't it, on Sunday? Uh, I think it's about four four AM New South Wales time, about three AM Queensland time on Saturday morning. ABC yes. National Radio, yeah, fantastic. Exactly on this topic. So we're lucky enough, we've just recently published your article titled The Transition Back from Daylight Savings. So for some of the parents who may not have read the article yet, could you give us a little bit of an overview of what it's about and what inspired you to write it? Okay, so I mean, I've got little ones and I've worked with them for 10 years, so I know like how difficult it can be. And by observing sort of how babies took to the transition, I sort of found an easy way to ease them into it. Um, basically they don't, they have a body clock, but they don't know clocks. So, um, we, if we make adjustments, they sort of in their head, they know that they go down and they sleep for a certain period of time. So if we slowly make an adjustment, then it, um, it usually sees the result by moving it at the other end. Yep. 
Great. Well, I think everything that we've got will be covered off in the three key questions. So we'll probably get straight into those because everything sort of, I think, flows on from those. Um, yeah, it's kind exactly. of an article. The question number one, you know, what are the steps we need to make the transition from daylight savings smooth for our children? Please tell us. Yeah. All right. I like to do the transition over a few days. So um, this one, um, so the transition back, I like to start it on a Thursday. So, which is tomorrow. Yes. Um, yeah. So, yeah, as I said, your baby doesn't know that it's 7 p.m. and 7 a.m. and things like that. They, don't, they just know that they go down and hopefully you've got a little one who sleeps for 12, 12 hours. That might be broken for feeds or whatever. But, yeah, who sleeps that? So, um, in order to get them to sleep later in the mornings, we're going to put them to bed later. But if you just jump to putting them to bed later, you will get an overtired child. Yes. So I like to do a gentle transition. So on the basically tomorrow you'd follow your routine completely as normal, but when it comes to the evening feed, if they're still having one, and then bedtime, I'd do it 10 minutes later. So just that little bit, and then the following morning on the Friday, you aim to start your day at 7.20, so 20 minutes later. So hopefully that extra 10 minutes at bedtime helps your little one get, you know, just a bit further in the morning. Don't worry if they don't. Just try to adjust as the day goes on. Try to get your day flowing 20 minutes later. And then on the Friday, I recommend that that evening feed and bedtime stretches out another 20 minutes. So that will be on the seven. Thursday. Yeah, on yeah. the Friday. Now. So yeah. then they're going to at 7.40. So um, you've stretched it out an extra 20 minutes. So then that 7.40 should, in their head, they sleep around about 12 hours, aim is to get them up at 7.40 on the Saturday. Again, don't worry if they don't quite make it. Just stretch it out as the day goes on. And then again that night, we're going to stretch it one an extra lot of 20 minutes. So the evening feed and bedtime is a whole hour later now. So you're going to go to bed at 8 o'clock and hopefully that means 12 hours later is the new 7 a.m. So, But don't worry if, um, if it doesn't quite go like that. Follow the essentially the gist of it, and it'll mean that they adjust much quicker. It might take a few more days, but it's a lot better than a few weeks. Yeah, and yeah, the gradual thing just helps their little body clock adjust, and it helps you from avoid by doing it in smaller increments helps avoid that overtiredness. And I actually find parents enjoy this transition more than the transition to daylight savings. I was going to ask you about that. Yes, yeah. yeah. Because um, it's hard getting out and about with a little one because they do get overtired. And a lot of parents, you know, you might want to take them out for dinner, but with a kid who needs to be back in bed at sort of 7 o'clock at night, that kind of restricts where you can go out and eat. And with these two nights, like Friday and Saturday, with that later bedtime, it opens up the restaurants that start, you know, serving at 6 p.m. rather than at 5 p.m., which can be much more you know, kids-based, you can go somewhere nice for dinner, have family time and still get them to bed on time. So I actually find that parents quite like this this, this transition a bit more because it buys them that family time doing something special. So with, with the families you've worked with over the last 10 years, have there been any challenges, um, pros and cons with this type of approach? Um, and I guess mainly sort of focusing, I guess, on the benefits that you sort of find aside from what you've, you've sort of already highlighted. 
Yeah, it's mostly pros you're going to get with this approach because um, it's just gently telling them because, as I said, they just don't know the actual time. They just know when they go to bed, they sleep for a certain sort of period. It's how their body clock's built. Um, not really any cons, just some babies take a bit longer and there's nothing wrong with that. They're all individuals. It's just that it's going to take, yeah, it might take a week to adjust. It's better than two and three and and because the way that this one works this time of year is if you've got an early riser, that early rising can get earlier if they haven't adjusted. So there's only sort of pros with this. It's only going to help. And what's the worst that happens? It doesn't do that much. It's still better than like doing nothing and and probably going backwards. So let's just talk age gaps and, and, and um, ages for the moment. Yeah. I mean, um, is it... Like we were saying earlier on in the introduction from the older babies to, to toddlers to, you know, yeah. to children, um, is there any other tips that you've got that you could break down to those age groups or this is, this is something that you're generally saying to you all age groups? Most babies, look, it's really only very, very newborns that it's not going to affect because they don't have, they just have feed, sleep, feed, sleep. But once your child's on sort of having a wake time, playtime that sort of thing yep then they really are in that 12 hour day 12 hour night sort of cycle I mean of course everyone will flow differently you know a lot some may have when they're younger they have tons of day sleep and things like that but they they're programmed to have 12 hour days and 12 hour nights any longer than you know that for a day is where the overtiredness creeps in so once they're old enough to have that awake time then you really need, do need to do this sort of adjustment or else you will get really early waking um i do find that you know once they get past preschool sort of age then it's not as critical and you can um you can make the adjustment because they may you know you may have a child who wakes up at 8 a.m they may have longer sleep at that point (laughs) day sleep often once they've dropped their day sleep it's not as critical so if your child's having a day sleep then they're at the age that they need they need some sort of transition. Yep. All right, cool. Let's get stuck into question number two. Now, if parents have missed the start of the transition phase as per this guide, you know, how can parents catch up? So just, you know, you're in your own little family unit. Just don't start the clock change. If, say, you get to this on Friday, follow Thursday on Friday and don't turn your clocks till the Monday. Um, it's pretty easy to just keep, like in terms of the kids' clocks, I mean, you can always do your sort of stuff. But in terms of your kids, just keep them on the old time and do the adjustment to catch up. So if you start on Saturday, start just just cross out Thursday, right Saturday, and follow the days sort of through that that four day transition. Um, it really can still be made even a week later. Just make the incremental changes to the bedtimes. And a qualified feeding consultant as well. Do you have any other tips about changing their eating and that sort of stuff as well? Does this affect, I guess, their sleeping patterns? Well, that's where a good routine comes in because eating yeah. and, and eating and sleeping sort of flow in a pattern. So if you uh, usually babies following the sort of routines that I work with, you know, you wake it's you wake and then like an hour later you have your solids. So. Honestly, if you've moved the sleep times, then it usually moves the whole routine. That's what, yeah, when I talk about following the whole day 20 minutes later, well, then, you know, their solids like lunch and dinner will be 
in there 20 minutes later sort of thing. So, so would you say on Thursday to, to move the, the, that first meal time by 20 minutes? Uh, just the evening, um, really just the evening milk feed. It really yep. only needs that little adjustment that first night. It's not as big as the other nights. It's just a little adjustment to get them going just a bit later. Um, but, yeah, what babies are about, they're about the pattern. So it's they don't have a clock. So it's for them it's just the flow of the pattern. Yeah. So in your experience with families that don't follow these steps and or for what have you um, have missed, missed it all together, so let's fast forward to, to a week's time, um, you know, what, what what's the pros and cons of, of, of once again like, um, in, in not doing something like this? Just to, 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 to share some context, I guess. All right. If you don't follow it, then you're going to get to Sunday and um, your baby thinks that they're still on, you know, the normal time, the old, the old time, yep. and yep. that's 6am. At 7am is 6am. So if you don't make that adjustment, your child's going to be waking an hour earlier, which, you know, on a weekend probably doesn't affect you that much. But when you start going back to work and you have to get them up for childcare, they're going to be up so much earlier and then that's going to flow on and make them just really tired. So that um, plays into our question number three as a perfect segue, which our question <laughs> number three is, and if parents are already have children that are waking up early already, this means, as you were just saying, they're going to be waking up an hour earlier um, with daylight savings. So with regards to what can you suggest to help with early mornings, that's yeah what's your recommendation i see people come to me with what they call early risers yeah and that can be that can start you know that can be a baby waking at 5 a.m that 5 a.m now becomes 4 a.m and that's you know not really (laughs) the family exactly 4 a.m you know but they you've got to be at work and you've got to start getting the older kids to school for the 9 a.m and they've already been awake five hours it's just it's it's a nightmare so um, if you've got an early riser, it just will get earlier. So if, um, if you end up with an early riser after this transition just because your child hasn't adjusted or you've had one before and it's getting even earlier, then it really comes down to addressing early rising, not yep. time change. Obviously, they've got an issue there with waking early. So you need to go through the main sort of things I normally recommend. First of all, make sure your room is blacked out. Babies need that. They have um, they have sleep cycles and when they come through that last sleep cycle of the morning, 5 and then 5.40, if there's light coming into the room, they think it's morning. They think it's time to wake up. So black the room out and then when they wake up at that time, they think it's nighttime and they slide back into their, um, into their next sleep cycle. Yep. So definitely. Early rising, you need to black that room out. And the second thing is cold, and especially that's a big thing around this transition time is because the seasons are changing. And so we're starting to get those chilly nights, which means, you know, those early mornings are where the temp really, you know, is at the lowest. So it might be time to get your heater out um, and and heat the little one's room, make sure it's not going below 20 degrees. I find that 20 degrees is basically below that is just too cold from and they'll get cold from breathing the air in like so essentially cold from the inside out so yeah and give you do a night a check on your kids blankets your bedding your toggy sleeping bag whatever you're using um if the you know do a recheck if the temps dropped 
they may need a bit more. They may need their heater. Um, and then the next thing to that is if it's still happening after those two, it could be a routine change or there could be something bigger in there with diet. And that might be, you know, yeah. if you've addressed you've addressed warmth and you've addressed light and you've maybe given it a week or two to see what happens with the daylight savings transition and they're still waking early, they've not started to adjust, then that's probably a sign there's something deeper going on and you might need to seek some help. Yes, yeah. And yeah. who would you suggest in that, that's, um, that situation to speak to someone like you or a paediatrician or who, who in particular? Yeah, no, um, Yes, like people who specialise in sleep. So, yeah, people like me, sleep consultants, are the ones to speak to. Um, so you may want to give them a week or two after the transition and that way you know whether it's the transition and whether it's the change in seasons, like because you'll go through that sort of check of the light and the bedding and stuff. But, yeah, yeah. If, if it's a matter of them still adjusting, you will notice their sleep times will slowly move later because you'll be putting them to bed at, you know, regular times. And if, if it's just a matter of them adjusting, you will see that sleep, that morning time drift later as they get used to it. But if that's not happening and they just keep waking early, then that's a sign that it's it's not the adjustment. The adjustment might have, you know, made it worse because they're waking on the old times. But um, it, it's, a, it's a case of something else is a play. Right. So you need to go through everything that can affect sleep and settling, which as a parent can be really hard to know what to look for, which is why... Sleep consultants exist. This is what we do. And, you know, I can take a look at the big picture as a whole and it usually jumps out at me what the issues are and we can fix them pretty quickly. So, so, so your method is the holistic method, isn't it, to look at the, I guess, the high and wide perspective from that perspective, yeah. and so which, is, which is what the feeding, the sleeping? Feeding, diet, you know, environment, routine, yeah. make sure there's no, no sleep aids and things like that, how they're falling asleep. So, um. I, the difference between the way I operate and, and a lot of other sleep consultants is it's not just about the settling. With me, the settling is the final piece. It's all about the puzzle as a whole and yep. the majority of that is related to um, their day, their needs, their, you know, which their needs are, you know, feeding, bedding, uh, warmth, routine, all of those things. And that's the majority of it. Often those things... They just start sleeping well. So it's not like there's no point in jumping to settling until you know you need to do it. And yes. when I say settling, that does not mean people, a lot of people with sleep consultants jump to that means cry it out. That, but there's plenty of, plenty of methods and I always tailor it to their temperament, your parenting style, and it's always, for me, the client's choice. Yes. I will pros and cons and I'll offer them options based on their child but it's always the family's choice. So a lot of people think seeking sleep help means that you're going to do something you're not comfortable with, what people yep. call sleep training. That's not what I do. What I do is working on their life as a whole and everything that affects sleep and making sure that's all as good as it possibly can be to optimise their chances for good sleep. Tick all those boxes, hey, make sure that it's, yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's a checklist basically, but um, a very involved one that, but um, thankfully, with my experience, I can go through it fairly quickly for you and get them back on track. 
hundred percent. Well, you've given us some awesome insights. Now for everybody watching, we're going to link to Catherine's article at the introduction um, paragraph to this chat tonight. And you'll actually see that there's a great little chart that um, she's included um, from Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And the chart um, sort of will give you indication of what you need to do um, from wake up, day routine, um, evening feed, and also just the um, general um, bedtime as well. So from that perspective, yeah. definitely, yeah, have a look at that. Yeah, the other thing that is, if you're one of those people like me who's prone to forgetting things, is if you go on and like my Facebook page, each day I'm going to pop up the change for that day. Right. So if you like it and you forget it, like my page and you'll get that prompt each day to make sure you remember to do it. Sensational. We, look, once again, every time I speak to you, I learn so much, So, and I'm sure everybody else does as well. So thank you for the insights. I just hope that everybody follows um, your steps and, um, you know, once again, so it has a really nice and easy, smooth transition back to daylight savings. I always say with uh, moving into winter, we should be uh, happy to lose um, sort of, no, happy to gain an hour's sleep because we sort of we gain an hour, and then yeah, and then going into summer, you're happy to lose that hour because you're moving into the warmer months. So, you know, the benefit of moving into winter is the fact that we get an extra hour's sleep, which is a good thing. So, yeah. it's a win-win all the time. But we've got your yeah, point. babies to sort of go along with it. It's definitely <laughs> it's fun, but if they don't worry. <laughs> it takes a little bit longer, but it will be a lot shorter with this transition. Yeah, 100%. So if anyone's got any questions, whereabouts can they find you on your Facebook page, like you said, and where else? Uh, yeah, so www.dreamwinks.com and then um, Dreamwinks is on Facebook. Um, type in at Dreamwinks Sleep yep. and um, you can send me messages on either of those platforms. I've got a free phone consult you can access through both the Facebook and the webpage. Yep help and find out how I can help you so um, there's heaps of ways to contact me and um, yeah and keep an eye on the Facebook as well I do like regular Q&A sessions on there which can help a lot of mums as well sensational thanks for your time can't wait to catch up and speak soon and uh, give my love to the kids and yeah and thanks for the tips awesome good to talk to you again Bye. Bye. <laughs>